It's the 22nd of February in the year of our salvation, 2008, and it's the Feast of the Chair of Peter, and you're back with Father Zed and another podcast. We welcome as our guest today, St. Pope Leo the Great. That's Leo I, who died in 461. Also, we'll be hearing from a friend of mine, Father Uwe Michael Lang, of the Brompton Oratory, who is now working in Rome. He had a great article in Lo Servitore Romano today, and I want to share it with you. In this sermon, uh, preached in 444 on the anniversary of his elevation to the see of Peter, uh, listen carefully to how Leo identifies Peter, the apostle, with his own person. Now remember that Leo was uh, pope in a very, very difficult time. He was consolidating uh, in this period of tremendous upheaval, in a real vacuum of civil power. Uh, all the spiritual and temporal authority in his own person. And Leo had become a point of unity, uh, not only for the whole church, but for all of society as well. And you'll hear toward the end of the sermon how Peter uh, is still active in what Leo says and what Leo does. And listen also for uh, the reference to Peter's tomb uh, there in the basilica where he's actually preaching. Remember, the bones of the apostle are still present to this day in that very tomb. It's a different basilica now. Uh, Leo was preaching in the basilica uh, built by Constantine the emperor. that was torn down after many, many centuries. And the new basilica was built uh, still in the same place. So the altar is still directly over, over Peter's tomb. Uh, listen also to how Leo, in his very hierarchical way, nevertheless emphasizes with great strength the tremendous dignity of lay people. He acknowledges, uh, of course, that the clergy have more uh, blessings, some more abundant blessings in some ways, but that all people have the same dignity in the church. Uh, people might have different roles, but they don't have less dignity than, than the clergy. Uh, ultimately, our dignity goes back to Christ. Uh, you might remember how in his very famous Christmas sermon, uh, he shouts out, uh, Recognize, O Christian, your dignity. But Leo, For Leo, this is very, very important to build up his flock, especially his flock of Roman Christians gathered around him. Uh, he gives uh, great dignity to the Romans themselves. Basically, if, if it's an honor to be a Christian, it's even more of an honor to be a Christian of the flock of Rome, and therefore they have to be exemplary uh, to Christians around the world. Let's uh, listen to Leo now. Uh, I'll read it first in English so you can get the whole thing into your head, and then in the Latin, and I'm going to do the whole sermon. So settle in to listen for a while, uh, especially since you're going to have to hear it twice. Uh, now, this was preached on the anniversary of his being made Bishop of Rome on the 29th of September in the year 444. I rejoice, dearly beloved, in the pious affection that arises from your devotion. I thank God that I can sense a dedication to Christian unity among you. To judge from your assembly here, you clearly realize that the recurrence of this day has a bearing upon our collective jubilation, and that the annual feasts of the shepherd celebrate the honor of the entire flock. Although the Church of God, as a whole, has a hierarchical structure, so that the completeness of the sacred body consists in a diversity of members, we are, nevertheless, as the Apostle says, one in Christ. 
no one functions so independently of another that even the lowliest part does not have some relationship with the head to which it is connected in the unity of faith and baptism we have an undifferentiated fellowship dearly beloved and a uniform dignity so proclaims the most blessed apostle peter when he says with these most sacred words and you yourselves should be built up like living stones into spiritual dwellings a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to god through jesus christ and later on he says you however are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people set apart all who have been regenerated in christ are made kings by the sign of the cross and consecrated priests by the anointing of the holy spirit apart from the particular service that our ministry entails all christians who live spiritual lives according to reason recognize that they have a part in the royal race and the priestly office what could be more royal than the soul in subjection to god ruling over its own body what could be more priestly than dedicating a pure conscience to the lord and offering spotless sacrifices of devotion from the altar of the heart since this has been given to every one alike through the grace of god it is a devout and praiseworthy thing for you to take joy in the day of our elevation as if in your own honor let the episcopacy be celebrated in the entire body of the church as one single mystery when the oil of benediction has been poured out the mystery flows though more abundantly on to the higher parts yet not ungenerously down to the lower ones as well dearly beloved our joint participation in this gift provides ample occasion for rejoicing together yet we will have a more genuine and more sublime cause for joy if you do not linger over the consideration of our lowliness it would be far more useful and worth while to direct your attention higher toward contemplating the glory of the most blessed apostle peter it would be far more useful and worth while to celebrate this day by venerating him first and foremost he was inundated with such abundant channels of grace that while he received many things by himself nothing at all was transmitted to any one else without his taking part at that time the word made flesh was already dwelling among us and christ had spent himself entirely in restoring the human race nothing was disorderly for his wisdom nothing difficult for his power elements served him spirits ministered to him angels waited on him no mystery performed by both the unity and the trinity of his godhead together could possibly fail to have its effect yet out of the whole world peter alone has been chosen to be put in charge of the universal convocation of peoples as well as of every apostle and all the fathers of the church although there are many priests and many shepherds among the people of god it is peter who properly rules each one of those whom christ also rules principally great and wonderful a share in his power did god see fit to bestow upon this man dearly beloved if he wanted other leaders to share something with him whatever he did not refuse entirely to these others he never gave unless it was through him all the apostles were asked by the lord what people thought of him everyone gave the same answer as long as the uncertainty of human understanding was being displayed but when the lord wanted to know what the disciples felt the first indignity among the apostles was the first to confess the lord when he had said you are christ son of the living god jesus replied to him blessed are you simon son of john since flesh and blood have not revealed this to you but my father who is in heaven that is to say for this reason are you blessed since my father taught you since earthly opinion did not deceive you but heavenly inspiration instructed you 
since neither flesh nor blood but he whose only son am I made me known to you and I he said tell you that is to say just as my father has manifested my divinity to you so I make known to you your own prominence that you are Peter that is to say although I am the indestructible rock I the cornerstone who make both things one I the foundation on which no one can lay another you also are the rock because you are made firm in my strength what belongs properly to my own power you share with me by participation and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it on this strength he means I will raise up an eternal temple and the loftiness of my church piercing into heaven will rise up on the firmness of this faith this confession will not be restrained by the gates of hell it will not be bound by the chains of death for that declaration is indeed a declaration of life while it lifts those who confess it up to heaven no less does it sink down to hell those who deny it it was with this in view that the most blessed peter was told i shall give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven whatever you bind on earth will be bound also in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed also in heaven certainly the right to use this power was conveyed to the other apostles as well what was laid down by this decree went for all the leaders of the church yet not without purpose is it handed over to one though made known to all it is entrusted in a unique way to peter because the figure of peter is set before all the rulers of the church therefore this privilege of peter resides wherever judgment has been passed in accordance with his fairness there cannot be too much severity or too much lenience where nothing is bound or loosed outside of that which blessed peter has loosed or bound when the passion of the lord was drawing near an event that was going to shake the constancy of his disciples he said simon simon behold satan has obtained his request to sift you like wheat i however have begged for you that your faith not fail once you have converted strengthen your brethren lest you all enter into temptation each apostle encountered the same danger through temptation from fear all equally needed the help of divine protection since the devil wanted to harass them all and to crush them all still the Lord took special care of Peter and prayed especially for Peter it was as if the condition of the others would be more secure if the mind of their leader were not overcome in Peter, therefore, the fortitude of all is reinforced, for the aid of divine grace is ordered in such a way that the firmness given to Peter through Christ is conferred upon the apostles through Peter. Therefore, dearly beloved, since we see that so great a protection has been divinely instituted for us, it is reasonable and just for us to rejoice in the merits and the dignity of our leader we give thanks to the eternal king the lord jesus christ our redeemer for having given so great a power to the one whom he made leader of the entire church even in our own times if through us anything is done correctly or anything managed correctly it must be attributed to his works to his guidance to him was it said once you have converted strengthen your brethren to him did the Lord after his resurrection say by a mystical suggestion three times in answer to his threefold profession of unending love feed my sheep doubtless he now does that as a dedicated shepherd he carries out the mandate from the Lord he strengthens us with his exhortations and never stops praying for us that we might not be overcome by any trial 
if moreover he extends this devoted concern to all the peoples of god everywhere as indeed it has to be believed how much more is he willing to lavish his assistance upon us his adopted children among us does he rest on the sacred bed of blessed sleep with the same flesh in which he presided over the church let us therefore attribute this day on which our service was born let us attribute this feast to him it is under his patronage that we have merited to have a part in his see helping us through everything is the grace of our lord jesus christ who lives and reigns with god the father and with the holy spirit for ever and ever amen Gaudio dilectissimi de religioso vestre devotionis affectus, et deo gratias ago quod in vobis pietatem Christiane unitatis agnosco. Sicud enim ipsa frequentia vesta testatur, intelegitis diei huius recursum ad communem letitiam pertinere, et honorem celebrari totius gregis per annua festa pastoris. Nam licet universa ecclesia dei distinctis ordinata sit gradibus, ut ex diversis membris sacrati corporis subsistat integritas, omnes tamen, sicut ait apostolus, in Christo unum sumus, nec quisquam ita est ab alterius divisus officio, ut non ad connectionem pertineat capitis, cuius libet humilitas portionis in unitate igitur fidei atque baptismatis indiscreta nobis societas dilectissimi et generalis est dignitas secundum evangelium beatissimi petri apostoli sacratissima voce di centis et ipsitam quam lapidis vivi superedificamini domo spiritales sacerdotium sanctum offerente spiritales hostias acceptum tabides deo per Jesum Christum. Ed infra, vos autem genus electum, regali sacerdotium, gen sancta, populus adquisitionis. Omnes enim in Christo regeneratos, crucis signum efficit reges, spiritus sancti unctio consecrat sacerdotes, ut preteristam specialim nostri ministerii servitutem universis spiritales et rationabilis Christiani agnoscant, se regii generis et sacerdotalis officii esse consortes. Quidenim tam regium quam subditum Deo animum corporis sui esse rectorem. Et quid tamen sacerdotale quam vovere domino conscientiam puram et immaculatas pietatis ostias de altari cordis offerre. Cod cum omnibus per dei gratiam comune sit factum religiosum vobis atque laudabile est de die provexionis nostre quasi de proprio honore gaudere, ut unum celebretur in toto ecclesiae corpore pontificii sacramentum, quod Efuso benedictionis unguento, copiosius quidem in superiora profluxit, sed non parce etiam in inferiore descendit. Cum idiaque dilectissimi de consortio istius muneris magna nobis materia sit communium gaudiorum, verior tamen nobis et excellentior erit causa litandi, sinon in nostre humilitatis considerazione remoremini, cum multo utilius multoque sit dignius ad beatissimi petri apostoli gloriam contemplandam aciam mentis attollere, et hunc diem in illius potissimum venerazione celebrare, qui ab ipso omnium charismatum fonte tam copiosis est rigationibus inundatus, Ut cum multa solus acceperit, nihil in quemquam sine ipsius participatione transierit. Verbum caro factum, 
jam habitabat in nobis, et reparando humano generi totum se Christus impenderant. Nihil in dispositum sapientiae, nihil erat arduum potestati. Famulabantur elementa, ministrabant spiritus, angeli serviebant, nec ulo modo poterat inefficax esse sacramentum, quod simul ipsius de itatis unitas operabatur et trinitas. Et, tamen, de toto mundo unus petrus eligitur, qui et universarum gentium vocatiori et omnibus apostolis cunctisque ecclesiae patribus preponatur, ut quamvis in popolo dei multisacerdotes sint multique pastores, omnes tamen proprie regat Petrus, quos principaliter regit et Christus. Magnum et mirabile dilectissimi, huic viro consortium potentiae sue tribuit divina dignatio, et si quid cum eo comune ceteris voluit esse principibus, numquam nisi peripsum dedit quid quid aliis non negavit. Omnes apostolos dominus quid dese homines opinentur interrogat, et tamdiu respondentium sermo communis est, quam diu humane intelligentiae ambiguitas explicatur. At ubi quid habeat discipulorum sensus exigitur? Primus est in domini confessione, qui primus est in apostolica dignitate. Qui cum dixisset, tu est Christus filius Dei vivi, respondit ei Iesus, beatus est Simon Bariona, qui a caro et sanguis non revelavi tibi, sed pater meus qui in celis est. Id est, ideo beatus est, qui a te pater meus docuit, nec terrena opinio te fefelit, sed inspiratio celestis instruxit, et non caro, nec sanguis, sed ille me tibi cuiusum unigenitus indicavit. Er ego inquit, dico tibi, hoc est sicut tibi pater meus manifestavi dignitatem meam, ita et ego notam tibi faceo excellentiam tuam. Quia tu es Petrus, id est, cum ego sim inviolabilis Petra, ego lapis angularis qui facio utra que unum, ego fundamentum preter quod nemo potest aliud ponere, tamen tu quoque Petra es, quia mea virtute solidaris, utque mihi potestate sunt propria, sint tibi mecum participatione comunia. Super hanc Petra medificabo ecclesia meam, et porte inferi non prevalebunt adversus eam. Super hanc inquit, fortitudinem eternum extruam templum, et ecclesia me celo in serenda sublimitas, in huius fidei firmitate consurget. Hanc confessionem, porte inferi non tenebunt, mortis vincula non ligabunt. Vox enimista, vox vitae est. Et sicut confessore suos in celestia proehit, ita negatores ad inferna demergit. Propter quod digitur beatisibo Petro, tibidabo claves reni celorum, et quecumque legavri super terram, erit ligata et in celis, et quecumque solveri super terram, erunt soluta et in celis. Transivit quidem etiam in alius apostolos ius istius potestatis, et ad omnes ecclesi principes decreti huius constitutio comeavit. Sed non frustra uni comendatur, quod omnibus imitetur. Petro enim ideo hoc singulariter creditur, quia cuntis ecclesiae rectoribus petri forma proponitur. Manet ergo petri privilegium, ubicumque ex ipsius fertur equitate judicium. Nec 
nimia est vel severitas vel remissio ubi nihil erit ligatum nihil solutum nisi quod beatus petrus aut solverit aut ligarit instante autem passione sua dominus que discipulorum era turbatura constantiam simon inquit simon ecce satanas expostulavit ut vos cerneret velut triticum ego autem rogavi pro te nec deficiat fides tua et tu conversus confirma fratres tuos ne intretis intentationem Comune erat omnibus apostolis periculum de tentatione formidinis, et divine protectionis auxilio pariter indigebant, coniam diabolus omnes ex agitare, omnes cupiebat elidere, et tamen specialis ad domino petri cura suscipitur, et profide petri proprie supplicatur, tam quam aliorum status certior sit futurus, si mens principis victa non fuerit. In Petro ergo omnium fortitudo monitur, et divine gratie ita ordinatur auxilium, ut firpitas que per Christum Petro tribuitur, per Petrum apostolis conferatur. Cum, ideque didectissimi, tantum nobis videamus presidium divinitus institutum, rationabiliter et iuste inducis nostri meritis et dignitate litamur, gratias, agentes, sempiterno regi, redemptori nostro domino Iesu Christo, quod tantam potentiam dedidei quem totius ecclesiae principem fecit, ut siquid etiam nostris temporibus recte per nos agitur recteque disponitur, Ilius operibus, Ilius sit gubernaculis deputandum, cui dictum est, et tu, conversus, confirma fratres tuos. Et cui post resurrectionem suam dominus ad trinam, eternia moris professionem mystica insinuatione ter dixit, pace oves meas. Quod nunc quoque proculdubio facit et mandatum domini pius pastor exequitur, confirmans nos cohortationibus suis, et pro nobis orare non cessans, ut nulla temptatione superemur. Si autem hanc pietatis sue, curram omni popolo dei, sicut credendum stubique pretendit, quanto magis nobis alumni suis opem suam dignatur impendere, Apulcos, in sacro beate dormitionis toro, eadem qua presedit carne requiescit. Ili, ergo hunc, servitutis nostre natalicium diem. Ili ascribamus hoc festum. Cuius patrocinio, sedis ipsius meruimus esse consortes. Auxiliante nobis, per omnia gratia domini nostri Iesu Christi qui vivit et regnat cum Deo Padre, et cum Spiritu Santo, in secula seculorum. Amen. That was Pope Leo the Great in his fourth sermon, about his own elevation to the See of Peter on the anniversary of his election. This sermon was preached on the 29th of September in 444. And did you hear how uh, that, that remarkable identification of Peter in his own person? It's extremely important for Leo's understanding of the church. When Leo is acting, Peter is acting in him, and Christ confirms what they're doing because he gave his authority to Peter. And as a proof of Peter's enduring presence... Uh, there in, in Rome and in his person, and how it's Leo, Peter is manifest in, in Leo, and also in the flock gathered around uh, the mortal remains of Peter, who's still there in the midst of the, the basilica built over his tomb. Uh, Leo talks about how Peter is sleeping there, but he's still there. He's still doubtlessly, doubtlessly a dedicated shepherd, still acting as a shepherd for his church. 
There's also a very powerful expression of, shall we say, warning, uh, together with maybe some fear for people who resist or defy Peter, and therefore, of course, Leo. The weight of the rock, who is Peter, as it were, pushes them down into hell, even as the church and its loftiness that goes up to pierce the heavens brings all those faithful and united with Peter up to heaven, up to Christ himself. So our careful attention to these sermons of Pope Leo uh, should help us be mindful of the role Peter is still playing in our holy church. Our dedication uh, to be our Holy Father Pope Benedict's obedient children uh, is is very much in the balance in a world that is becoming ever more uh, relativized and secular. And uh, especially in a world where you know, people advocate that perhaps they don't have to pay as much attention to Peter in the church, to Pope Benedict in the church, as we must, because this whole issue of the Petrine ministry, my dear friends, is part and parcel of who we are as Catholics. We cannot be Catholics without attentive and religious uh, obedience to Peter uh, and his successor, Pope Benedict. It's a great honor to be part of Holy Catholic Church and our obedience to our holy pastors, successors of the Apostle, but especially St. Peter, is also an honor for us. What could be greater honor than to play our proper role in Holy Mother Church? Today being the Feast of the Cathedral of St. Peter, I want to share with you something I read this morning in the Italian edition of Lo Servitore Romano, that's the Vatican's daily newspaper. Uh, what I have here is a reflection by my friend Father Uwe Michael Lang of the Brompton Oratory, who is now working in Rome. You might know Father Lang's book on the importance of celebration of Holy Mass facing the liturgical East. Uh, he's a very good author about that. And he's also recently edited together a book um, comprised of papers about the controversial anaphora of Adai and Marai, which doesn't contain an explicit form of consecration for the sacred species of the Eucharist. It's terribly controversial. Um, this anaphora uh, is used by a church that was acknowledged uh, by the Holy See during the pontificate of John Paul II, and there are a lot of people who are pretty unhappy with this, uh, the fact that this anaphora is used in that church with, uh, hum with whom uh, the, our, us, we as Catholics, can have intercommunion. So it's a terribly controversial thing. 
Um, there's a Father Robert Taft who has written a great deal about the anaphora of Adai and Marai, and now Father Long's uh, book, at least the book he edited, is out about this very important issue. But I, I, dig, I digress. Today, in Lo Servitore Romano, in the Italian edition, Father Long offered us a reflection on the meaning of the Feast of the Cathedra of Peter, and that's today, so let's get to that. It's far more important. Uh, I've translated it uh, from Italian into English uh, rather quickly. So if there are some rough spots, you have to forgive me. But here we go. Let's listen to Father Long. Origins and meanings of the Feast of the Cathedral of Peter. A rock is a refuge amidst the upheavals of the world. By Uwe Michael Long. Prestaquesus omnipotens Deus, ut nullis nos permitas perturbationibus concuti, quos in apostolice confessionis petra solidasti. Grant, we beseech the Almighty God, that thou permit us to be shattered by no disturbances, whom thou on the rock of the apostolic confession hath made firm. The collect in the ordinary form of the Bissali Romano of 1970, or 2002, which is found also in the Gelasian Sacramentary, though there it is for the vigil of the solemnity of Saints Peter and Paul, 28 June, as today also in the extraordinary form of the Roman Rite, according to the Missali of 1962, summarizes with a typically Roman realism and intensity the essence of the Feast of the Cathedra Petri, Cathedra of Peter, which is celebrated on 22 February. The liturgy calls to mind that the Lord established Simon, to whom he gave, gave the name Peter, as the rock of the church, created him pastor of all his flock, gave to him the keys, and conferred on him the power to bind and loose. Thus the Pope, as Bishop of Rome and successor of Peter, is the perpetual and visible principle and foundation of unity both of bishops and of the multitudes of faithful, as the Second Vatican Council confirmed, Lumen Gentium 23. As representative of Christ, the Pope has in the Church a full, supreme, and universal power which he can exercise freely. Lumen Gentium 22. The Petrine office is founded on the faith of the Apostle, who professed Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. Matthew 16:16. 16, 16. To whom the Lord responded, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Chapter 16, verse 17. This profession of Jesus, the Lord, is central to apostolic faith, which is safeguarded and announced by the Church. This service of the faith is entrusted in a special and preeminent way to the successor of St. Peter. The origin of the feast of the Cathedra Petri arises from the ancient Church. The Roman chronograph of the year 354 contains the Depositio Martyrum, an index of the days of commemoration of Roman saints, and includes also the places in which they were buried or venerated. In the very ancient liturgical calendar of the Roman Church, there is an entry for 22 February, Octo Calendas Martias, Natale Petri de Cathedra. This feast was probably an adaptation of the ceremonies of funeral banquets, which were usually held in February. In this month, the Romans remembered their deceased relatives. This commemoration concluded with a caristia, or cara cognatio, on 22 February, a banquet in honor of the dead, in which their relatives participated. In such a way, they underscored also the unity and harmony of the family. In these banquets, a chair, cathedra, was set up for the dead. The Roman feast in honor of Saints Peter and Paul, in which the chronograph is indicated on 29 June, and which today is celebrated as a solemnity, in its origin did not refer to the day of their death, but perhaps to the temporary translation of their remains to the catacombs of St. Sebastian on the Via Appia in the year 258, though this hypothesis is today much debated among scholars. After the end of the bloody persecutions and the recognition of the Christian religion on part of Constantine, in the 4th century people flooded en masse into the churches, some of them for suspect motives. It came to be necessary to place some boundaries to exclude pagan customs, which some new converts were still maintaining, even if they were with some difficulty reconciled with the Christian faith. 
ecclesiastical authorities sought to discourage popular celebrations of the banquets for the dead. Natali Petri de Cathedra, on 22 February, was indicated as the commemoration of the day in which the Apostle Peter took possession of the Episcopal Cathedra of Rome. Cathedra was also an expression in use to indicate the chair of a teacher. One thinks of the Cathedra of Moses in a synagogue spoken of in Scripture, Matthew 23, verse 2. The Cathedra represents, therefore, the teaching office and the pastoral power of the bishop, as also the unity of the Church, as a spiritual family in the faith, which the successors of the Apostles safeguard and announce. In Gaul, from the 6th or 7th century, on 18 January, there began a commemoration of the calling of the Apostle Peter to wield the keys and to be the foundation of the Church. At the beginning of the medieval period, the complex interaction between the Roman and Gallican liturgies led to the celebration of Peter's taking possession of Rome on 18 January and on 22 February his taking possession of Antioch. In fact, according to ecclesiastical tradition, Peter was also the first bishop of Antioch in Syria. This meaning of the two feasts was officially confirmed by Pope Paul IV in 1547 and was assumed into the Missali Romanum in 1570. Pope John XXIII reduced the two commemorations to a new and singular feast celebrated upon the by now ancient Roman day of 22 February. The Cathedral of Peter, which is venerated in the apse of the Basilica of St. Peter, is a wooden throne of the ninth century, put together from the remains of an even older chair given to the Pope by Charles the Bald. Between 1657 and 1666, Gian Lorenzo Bernini crafted the Cathedral Petri in marble, covered with gilded and stuccoed bronze, to celebrate the pastoral and teaching offices. The grandiose movement of this masterpiece culminates in an oval window, which, at the same time, is the focal point of the basilica. The dove, which decorates the window, symbolizes the assistance of the Holy Spirit, guaranteed to the Pope in his exercise of the Petrine ministry. The Cathedra Petri is the teaching office of the Apostle which is entrusted to the Pope, the Bishop of Rome, that he might safeguard and transmit the patrimony of the faith and preserve the visible unity of the Church. In the course of history, this truth of faith has been revealed to be always powerful against the multiplicity of centrifugal forces which have caused tensions and divisions in the bosom of Christianity. The example of the great English theologian, Venerable Servant of God John Henry Newman, 1801-1890, is always timely. The leading figure of the Oxford movement, Newman initially sustained that the Anglican Church had preserved in the purest way the teaching and original practices, and thus represented the via media between the excesses and aberrations of the Roman Church and the rationalism and apostasy of Protestantism. According to the fundamental vision of Newman, which brought him to convert on 8 October 1845, only the Church, which is in communion with the Pope, can be defined as Catholic, because it is identical to the Church of the Apostles and the Fathers of the Church. So much was announced in the Gospel, and was already evident in the first centuries of the Church. At the end of the second century, as a contrast to the great threat to the faith represented by the Gnostic movements, Irenaeus of Lyon appealed to the living apostolic tradition safeguarded by local churches and by their bishops, the successors of the Apostles. He speaks of Rome as the greatest, oldest, and evidently preeminent church, which was ever founded and directed by Peter and Paul, around which all the churches must unite, that is, all the faithful of every place. Irenaeus against Heresies 3.2 It was always clear that communion with the Roman church is decisive for belonging to the Catholic church spread throughout the whole world. This recognition brought Newman to his conversion, when he was still working on one of his most noted works on the development of Christian doctrine. Entrance into the Roman Catholic Church was not easy for Newman, and was the fruit of an age-old existential and intellectual disagreement. Decisive was the study of the theological controversies of the ancient Church, in which were found a valid formulation of the essential contents of the Christian faith. In the Christological controversies of the 5th century, 
Pope Leo the Great was shown to be the witness of the apostolic profession against the Monophysites, whose greatest exponent was Eutyches, who sustained that the human nature of Christ was completely taken into his divine nature. Quote, My stronghold was antiquity. Now here, in the middle of the fifth century, I found, as it seemed to me, Christendom of the sixteenth and nineteenth centuries reflected. I saw my face in that mirror, and I was a Monophysite. Apologia pro vita sua. For Newman, the point of contact between the Monophysites of the 5th century and the Anglicans of his time was not so much in the content of teachings as in the basic principle around which the controversies came to be resolved. The truth of faith was not in the via media. Quote, Rome was where she now is. Close quote. With these words, Newman expressed the continuity of the pontifical magisterium, of the cathedra patri. On this basis is founded the authentic faith of the Church. Newman explained this principle in the course of the harsh controversies about the dogma of infallibility of the Pope at the end of the nineteenth century. Before the First Vatican Council, Newman belonged to the party that considered a formal doctrinal definition inopportune, not the least because extreme ultramontanism was striving vigorously in favor of a maximalist formulation of the dogma. The definition contained in the pastoral constitution Pastor Eternus turned out so well balanced that Newman could explain it with a conviction, and devent it in his letter to the Duke of Norfolk. The Pope speaks ex cathedra, or infallibly, when, as the teacher of the whole church in the name and the authority of the apostles, he speaks on a theme of faith or morals, with the intention of binding every member of the church to accept his decision and to believe in it. Newman underscored that the magisterium of the Pope could not have the same authority as the announcement of the apostles. In fact, the apostles received divine revelation. The office of the church and of the Pope consists in to guard that noble deposit of truth, as St. Paul speaks to Timothy, which the apostles bequeathed to her in its fullness and integrity. Letter to the Duke of Norfolk For the doctrinal decisions ex cathedra, the Pope can have recourse to the assistance of the Holy Spirit not, however, to the inspiration that belonged to the Apostles. Quote, it in no way depends upon the caprice of the Pope, or upon his good pleasure, to make such and such a doctrine the object of a dogmatic definition. He is tied up and limited to the divine revelation, and to the truths which that revelation contains. He is tied up and limited by the creeds already in existence, and by the preceding definitions of the Church. He is tied up and limited by the divine law, and by the constitution of the Church. The First Vatican Council did not at all define the Pope as absolute monarch. His authority is absolutely not limitless, but is bound in obedience to revelation which is found in Scripture and in tradition. The authority of the successor of Peter is founded on the confession of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, preserved and announced in the Church. The Church is founded on this rock, and the gates of hell will not prevail. This mystery is celebrated in the Liturgy of 22 February. Today, dear friends, we are celebrating something which is part and parcel. It's part of the warp and the weft of the very fabric of the church. And this uh, is what we call the Petrine Ministry. Uh, Jesus built his church on Peter and on his confession of faith, and then entrusted to Peter his own authority to bind and to loose. Uh, Jesus gave Peter authority uh, in a very special way, but he also then shared it with the apostles in union with Peter. Uh, Pope Leo the Great explained that very well in his beautiful sermon. But so important is this authority to teach and to use jurisdiction that no ecclesial body out there that refuses Peter's authority, still wielded today in Peter's successors in the bishops of Rome, no body that refuses Peter's authority can really be called a church in the fullest sense. Nor can anyone who resists Peter's authority 
be very easily identified as Catholics. You see, they put their own identity at risk when they begin to defy Peter's authority. The Petrine ministry, ministry is a necessary, constitutive element of Christianity. And that's what we are celebrating today. We are not celebrating just a piece of furniture that the Pope might sit on when he teaches. Nor are we uh, celebrating only one dimension of the Pope's role in the Church, and that, that merely that his ability to teach infallibly on issues of faith and morals. No, we are celebrating today the Petrine ministry, which is part of the very fabric of the church Jesus gave us. Don't say goodbye Somehow it's wrong Clouds in the sky Aren't there for long A blackbird can sing Of good days in store When spring will bring The flowers once more Don't look so sad Just think of when Good days we've had Come round again they're not far away There's no need to sigh We don't have to say goodbye With that, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, it's been a long podcast. I've yacked at you a lot, both in English and in Latin. Uh, but I wanted to make this uh, podcast today, uh, my first day back in the United States from my wonderful trip to England down uh, my short jaunt to Rome. I wanted to make it today especially for the Reverend Mr. Stephen Morgan, who is a permanent deacon in England, who told me in his car just a few days ago that I had to get cracking and make another podcast because he was getting tired of reruns. So, my friend Stephen, there you are, a podcast just for you. And my thanks go out to you uh, and all the wonderful people that I met in England recently during my trip. Uh, people who there were so very kind to me and made my stay there truly wonderful. And I don't hesitate to offer this uh, podcast uh, to you English Catholics, uh, so many of whom have over the centuries suffered for your loyalty to Peter. So God bless you. Come and visit us at the blog wdtprs.com that's Whiskey Delta Tango Papa Romeo Sierra.com You can participate there in uh, making good comments and uh, uh, reading and learning all about our Catholic faith. God bless you and pray for me as I will for you. Thank you.